0: You're listening to the Phillies Nation Podcast with Ty Daubert and Johnny Heller on philliesnation.com.
1: How's it going, everyone? You're listening to the Phillies Nation Podcast. I'm your host, Ty Daubert. Here on this episode, uh, we're coming at you with the winter meetings recap. The Zach Wheeler and D.D. Gregorius press conference just ended as well. As always, I'm joined by my co-host, Johnny Heller. Johnny, what's going on, man?
0: i uh, just been sitting around waiting for that Dylan Batances signs with the Phillies notification. Coming any second now, I can feel it, you know?
1: Yes, that, that, that's kind of the rumor of today. We're recording on Tuesday afternoon. We'll have this up for you by Wednesday morning. So who knows, maybe by the time you're hearing this, Batances will be a Philly, uh, because that is all the talk right now.
0: Yeah, maybe. Of course, you know who better to go into the the luxury tax for than a uh, thirty what thirty one year old reliever coming off of a season in which he pitched like did he pitch at all? Pitched a couple innings.
1: Yeah, just a couple innings, okay. I think.
0: Great. That's that. Those are the those are the difference making kinds of players that you go over the tax for. You know.
1: Yeah, exactly. You know, we'll we'll get into that a little bit later. But first, we want to go over some of the moves that have happened around baseball since the last episode that Johnny and I did together. Uh, First of all, um, on our last episode that we did, Garrett Cole signed in the middle of it. And since then, there's still been some pretty big moves. The third big name, Anthony Rendon, signed with the team. Johnny, why don't you get into that one a little bit?
0: Yeah, so uh, Rendon signed with the Angels was, was it seven years, two hundred forty-five million, same yep. exact contract as Strasburg,
1: just without um, deferrals, right?
0: Yeah, yep. And I think everyone expected him to go to Texas, but because the Angels missed out on Cole and Strasburg, it just made sense for for them to to give that what seventh year to Rendon that the, the Rangers weren't willing to
1: yeah exactly. give.
0: Um, I we'll probably talk about this later. It doesn't make sense that a team like the Phillies wouldn't be in on a player like Rendon. Um, seven years isn't bad. Uh, they're going to be paying 40-year-old Bryce Harper $25 million. I think if you can pay Rendon into his mid-30s, like, I don't know. it just Yeah, I agree.
1: Uh, I think Harper will be, like, 39 at the end of his contract, making 25. And Anthony Rendon is a better player than Harper. Harper... You know, if you compare each of those players' best seasons, Harper has had the best season. in In 2015, he did. But overall, Rendon has been clearly the better player than than Harper. And I think I agree that this is something the Phillies should have been in on, especially if they're going to be actually going after Betances, like we mentioned. And if if they're going into luxury tax, it doesn't make sense that they were not in on these big three free agents uh, more than they were, which you know, it just doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me, because if you're going to push a luxury tax, you might as well make your team as competitive as as possible.
0: Yeah, exactly. Um, and we were just talking about this before we started recording. They've been linked to Chris Bryant. Why would you give up assets for two years of Chris Bryant when you can give up nothing for Anthony Rendon, who is probably better or at least as good as Chris Bryant? He's better. I think so too. Um, I, it doesn't make sense. I don't. I, based on the fact that the Phillies weren't in on Rendon, I can't see why. Why would they be in on Bryant? It doesn't make any sense to me.
1: Yeah, I know. A lot of the talk is that Harper and Bryant are friends, which you know you can't go making yeah. your making your moves <laughs> based on things like yeah. that. Like, Who cares? Yeah. Exactly, and and you know. If they are to go over the luxury tax, it it feels like Rendon would have been in a better investment over Bryant, who will still put them over the tax, and then they're going to have to give him a free agent contract in two seasons.
0: Yeah. Who, um, knows, who knows what that's going to look like.
1: Exactly, because I don't see him signing an extension. I think that yeah. Boris would want him to hit free agency and get as much as he can on the open market rather than negotiate an extension Beforehand, Um, another option they could go for, if they do go over the luxury tax, they've been linked by John Heyman to Josh Donaldson. But at that point, if you're going to sign Donaldson to what four or five years, I think that's what he's demanding now. Why? Why would you not then just go seven for Anthony Rendon, who's better than Donaldson? Yeah, It's it's just you know they're they're still being connected to certain players, like we said with the Batanza stuff coming out recently, with the Bryant stuff over the last week, where if they're going to actually go over the luxury tax, why would they have not just been in on the top three guys this offseason?
0: Yeah. I I don't know. I'm fine. All right. Strasburg, fine with them being out on him at that they, price. But
1: they were, yeah, at they, that Were price, they ever, they were were they in, ever if, in? Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. They were not ever in.
0: Yeah.
1: At least not seriously. So I, I think I just think that that, you know, with Rendon finally seeing the deal sealing the deal that the Phillies will not get any of the top three free agents this offseason, I think that was a missed opportunity. Another missed opportunity that we wanted to go over. Um, this is Johnny's guy. He's wrote about it for Phillies Nation. He's mentioned it, I think, on the first episode of this podcast. Corey Kluber has been traded to the Rangers from the Indians, so Johnny, I'm going to let you have the first crack at, at this deal.
0: Yeah, so the Rangers acquired Kluber from the Indians for um, a package that wasn't that substantial. Um, just a, a reliever, Klaes, and uh, Delano Shields Jr. Delano Shields stinks, so it's really basically just Kluber for a potentially elite reliever. Um, I am disappointed that the Phillies weren't in at that price, although I'm not sure that you know they i mean where is sir anthony doing is his value right now is is that comparable maybe not but um just in terms of, of pure value i don't understand because you can say all you want about the fact that Kluber only pitched like 50 innings last year and he wasn't that good uh, but it was a freak injury he's a pretty durable guy and he's coming off a five-year stretch where he's Won the Cy Young twice, been top three four times. He's always pitching 210, 220 innings, striking out a bunch of guys. ERA, low three, high two. He's just a really, really good pitcher. And for $17 million, like, seeing what guys are getting as free agents right now, if you could get Kluber for $17 million and not have to give up that much in terms of prospects for him, I don't see why you wouldn't at least explore it. Never linked, so...
1: Yeah, I I agree. Um, maybe they don't have the relief pitching prospects to get it done maybe the Indians wouldn't want Dominguez coming off that injury. But you have to imagine that they could have beaten it with a semi decent uh, hitting prospect or starting pitching prospect. Right. Because you know why would, I still don't understand why they would essentially trade Corey Kluber, a uh, top of the rotation guy for a relief pitcher, no matter how good he is. They traded a very good starter for a potentially very good reliever. It just feels like they could have done better if they waited this out.
0: Yeah, well they were just thinking back to twenty sixteen they had to find their Andrew Miller. And uh I don't know if they actually found him, but He I guess you'll see
1: Clacy does have really good stuff. He has like a hundred mile an hour cutter, which is insane. So, you know, this stuff isn't a knock on him because he is a legit uh, relief prospect who I think could be really good. But it's just the principle of trading away Kluber for such a late package.
0: Yeah, I, and he's got that option in, in 2021 too. So I just think there's massive value there and the, the Phillies rotation right now. I mean, the, the Phillies currently have Vince Velasquez in the rotation. That's something that's going to... Probably be there's a higher chance that that Vince Velasquez is going to be starting a game in April than than not. So not even being in on a, a, a guy like Kluber, I don't know. Maybe the Arietta experience has has you know turned them away from pursuing something like that. But uh, Corey Kluber isn't Jake Arrieta. And- yeah,
1: he's he's definitely a much better bet at this point than Arietta was uh, a couple years ago when they signed him. But yeah, so that that's pretty much it for the big outside moves that have happened since our last regular episode. Um a, a light Phillies move that happened. They signed Matt Caesar to a minor league deal. They'll try him out in spring training with he they gave him an invite. Johnny says he's all in on this move, he's all in on the local bench guys. So why <laughs> why don't you why don't you talk about that one a little bit?
0: Yeah. Uh Caesar, he was a Cub for a while, right? Yeah. And just a, another utility guy. I mean, it's, it's coming together a little bit now. Uh, and it looks like the Phillies are just going to keep adding potential bench guys on minor league deals. Uh, it's been Harrison, Josh Harrison, Phil Gosselin, and now Caesar. Um, you wonder why Brad Miller is still unsigned. But for now, it, it looks like they're just going to go into camp with a uh, – or spring training with a, a – Letting you know, guys, battle it out and um, see which veterans can take the the spots on the bench. But, yeah,
1: like like you said, Brad Miller should be signed by this team. Uh, I wrote a little bit about it for Phillies Nation. A little you should, bit. You should check that it was out. like Twelve hundred words. All right, it wasn't <laughs> it wasn't that long. Anyway, um, <laughs> I wrote I wrote about that. You should check that out. But Miller. You should. Miller makes this bench a whole lot better. And honestly, he, <laughs> I feel like he could, in certain spots, be a part time starter until Bohm came up. If they brought him back, at, I think he could start at third base, uh, at least in a platoon situation, because he's a better hitter than Adam Hazley. And Scott Kingery could just slide it over into center field. And I think that would make them probably a better offensive team than with Hazley in the lineup. Uh, Miller, like I said, just the power that he's able to provide in a part-time role and a pinch-hitting role, he makes them a lot better. He was really good last season, and it it hurts them if they can't get him back.
0: Yeah, and, like, overall last year, the bench stunk. Uh Miller was great, especially uh, the last couple months of the year, but other than that, uh, guys like Sean Rodriguez just really struggled, and they're not, it doesn't look like they, they're trying to fix that, really. Um, like guys like Caesar cool, but, you know, you, you want to have guys coming off the bench who, I who don't only can, can help off the bench, but if, if a guy goes down, can, can start, like you said, Miller is the perfect guy uh, for something like that, so...
1: At at the same time, I think having having Bruce actually as a bench player and not a starter will help the bench. Like that definitely uh by default will help them.
0: Yeah, I agree with that. For sure. Uh if you can say healthy.
1: And I, I like I like some of these pickups that they're doing. Um less the actual players themselves, more the idea of taking chances on some guys with a little bit of uh, upside as a bench piece and you see how spring training goes and you either stash a few in triple a or, or you take some of the guys who perform well so it's kind of like what they did mid-season a little bit with drew smiley they picked him up gave him a shot and it ended up helping the team and i think they should definitely be in the market for all of the kind of uh you know pickups like that that could help their bench potentially
0: I agree with that. I also think they should have give, been willing to give Howie Kendrick whatever he got. You know, like I think that having having guys on the bench who are just really good uh, can can be a big difference maker. And like you said, Bruce, having him solely as a bench guy will be will be um, pretty good for the team. But I don't know.
1: A healthy Roman Quinn changes a lot too. A healthy Roman Quinn. Well,
0: we're not we should only be talking about things that um can happen.
1: Yeah. So. if you know, <laughs> if it if it could happen, if it were to happen, it seems that it's very improbable. Uh that would that would be huge for them because he's a uh, he's super fast, one of the fastest players in the league. He had spurts of having good pop last season, which yeah. was weird. A couple double double deck home runs. Yeah.
0: Hit more he, home runs than ben Reese Hoskins in August, so
1: yeah, I mean, is it really an episode of this pod without <laughs> Johnny hating on Reese Hoskins? But you know, right. Quinn Quinn has some value there if he can actually stay on the field. All right,
0: what what is a bigger like what if Derek Rose or Roman Quinn? What like if one of those guys stayed healthy? You know, what's a bigger what? What did we miss out more on the a, a healthy Derek Rose career or a healthy Roman Quinn career?
1: I'd say Roman Quinn. I would agree, one hundred percent. You know, oh my God, that's so ridiculous. <laughs> Roman Quinn, who they moved away from shortstop because of J.P. Crawford, who they then traded away for another shortstop who, who isn't was a very un- anymore. Yeah, who is not a shortstop anymore. Um, you know, maybe he could have been the shortstop of the future. Who, who really knows? It, a lot of what ifs with Roman yeah. Quinn's career. Yeah, but <laughs> <laughs> moving, moving on from the bench. Yeah. <laughs> Uh we mentioned it a little bit earlier. The Phillies seem to be in. They've been linked along with the Mets to Dylan Batansis by John Heyman. He I believe he said earlier that the Mets seem unlikely for Batansis. I I don't know. I don't know. It seems like the Phillies are in on this, but it also at the same time seems to me like this is not the move that they would go into the luxury tax for. So I'm not sure exactly what to believe, unless Patansis' uh, value is a lot lower than we thought. I think he could get something similar to Trinan, who got one year ten million, I believe, from, yes, the, the, Dodgers. from the Dodgers. So I think Patansis could be around there. I'm just not sure. I'm not sure if you know, if they do go in And get Betances go into luxury tax. I think that maybe they are a player for Donaldson, uh, or maybe even Ryu, something like that. But but who knows? This this move will tell us a lot about the rest of this offseason if whether or not they go after and and sign Betances.
0: Yeah, like you said, it does not make any sense whatsoever for them to this to be the only like the move they make to go over the luxury tax, and then they don't do anything else. Um, yeah, I mean, if Bumgarner was still a free agent, I would think they would be, you know, in on a guy like him in conjunction with, with Batances, uh, Bumgarner, who I'm surprised that he didn't get more than he did.
1: I thought yep. that, that we, was we like, probably should have mentioned him earlier yeah. at the top of the pod, but Bumgarner, he signed with the Diamondbacks five years, $17 million a year. That's the other one that happened since we last recorded.
0: I thought that was kind of fair value. I know we're both pretty down on Bumgarner, but he's still Madison Bumgarner. I know he was pitching in, in San Francisco last year, and that definitely helped, but I don't know. That...
1: I'm out. I'm out. On I know. I know. I know. Yeah. I, but, I don't
0: know. Yeah. Anyways, you know, maybe maybe Batansis is the, the move they make in conjunction with a uh, Arenado trade. Maybe. Yeah. Oh, I, uh, I, don't,
1: I don't know. Would you rather trade for Arenado or Bryant?
0: Arenado. Uh, ooh. Arenado's home road splits are so scary.
1: Yeah,
0: He's he a career 799 OPS on the road.
1: Yeah, that's, that's like 980 ideal.
0: So, yeah, I don't know. That's a good question because Arenado has six years of control still.
1: Arenado, oh, man, that's bad. That's that those road splits are bad. I know. Man. I know. Um yeah, I think I'd rather have Bryant personally. He I I think that, you know, he's a little bit cheaper for the first 2 years, you definitely have to go out and sign him afterwards. Yeah, right. But I I think he's the guy I'd rather go for, especially because of the Cubs situation and how desperate they are to kind of well, it, seemingly desperate they are to get rid of some salary. I think that Bryant might cost a little bit less, especially with only two years left on his deal. So I think I would I would rather Bryant personally.
0: I mean, I personally would rather Lindor.
1: Uh, I'd about... rather I'd probably you know staying with third baseman. I'd have rather than just go for Anthony Rendon, like we mentioned. But yeah. out of those two possibilities, Bryant's my guy. Do
0: you think? Do you think Lindor is going to get four hundred million?
1: Um, he could get close. I think three fifty is probably a lock.
0: How How old is he? He's what twenty five.
1: Um, so he'll be twenty seven. Yeah,
0: so. so he'll be around what Harper? Maybe a year older than Harper. Yeah, he's gonna get. Wow, he's gonna get paid a lot of money.
1: Yeah, he's gonna. He's gonna. I be think. A I think.
0: I think he's gonna be a Dodger in like a week. But I'm probably wrong.
1: Yeah. Who knows? Um. Okay. Something I want to touch on. Before we move on to the Zach Wheeler DD Gregorius press conference. Uh the Phillies, you know, if this Batansis rumor is true, they're pretty close to my ideal offseason that I did on one episode of this podcast. I I think they would just have to, you know, if they if they get Batansis and then that is in conjunction with a Bryant trade, they're one Arietta trade away from Pretty much and doing a, my offseason and a
0: and a uh, Brad Miller lowball. Yo,
1: <laughs> how, how much do you think he's going to get if he's only a bench player?
0: I don't know. Maybe he's not only a bench player. Maybe yeah. maybe that's why the Phillies haven't signed him. Is is Clintock listened to your ideal offseason and he's just been lowballing Brad Miller?
1: <laughs> I did not lowball <laughs> him. I gave him what, like three million? Yeah, I gave him four. I'm a generous whatever, guy. Whatever. He's taking the hometown discount because he. Loved the bamboo shops so much, but okay. but anyway, they if they do this, you know, if they get Batansis, I feel like Bryant could be likely. Then they're just one Arietta for Richards trade away from pretty much stealing my offseason and you know kind of confirming that I could be a GM of a major league baseball team.
0: Yeah, um, maybe. I mean, they're just a few moves away from mine. First, you know, the Dodgers would have to release in and, and.
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: Uh, Hoskins for Savali would still have to happen. I don't know if that's really in the cards anymore, but.
1: <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm <laughs> a little bit closer, but anyway, we're gonna we're gonna move on to the press conference that just went down with you know, the Phillies introducing Zach Wheeler and Dede Gregorius to the media in Philadelphia. Uh, Tim Kelly, the editorial director of Phillies Nation, he was there covering the press conference and he asked a really good question to Matt Klintak, uh, asking if he thought that they were good enough to win the NL East this season as constructed. And this is what... Clentac had to say he said yeah I do we talked about this last week at the MLB winter meetings quite a bit we won 81 games last year and had a lot of things go wrong now when you bring back the core of that team that is still very young still very talented you had a new manager new pitching coach these two new guys here and whatever else we may do for the rest of the offseason I think you're looking at a very competitive club so a couple things to break down with that quote um The we won 81 games last year and had a lot of things go wrong quote from Klintak, that's something that I've mentioned on this pod, I believe, something I've told Johnny before. This team, you know, it's very easy to be pessimistic about them because they were a very frustrating team to watch. A lot of things went wrong last season, like Klintak just acknowledged. But, you know, everything that seemed to have been possible to go wrong did go wrong for the Phillies last season and they still went 500. So even if they didn't add anything and some players just progressed to like their career averages and didn't get hurt, that's probably a close to wild card ish team. And then you add in Zach Wheeler and D.D. Gregorius. I, I don't know if I'm ready to pencil them in as NL East um, favorites, like, like Klintak says they're able to do. But I think that's definitely, uh, you know, a competing for the wild card type team.
0: Yeah, I agree. You know, I am typically pretty pessimistic about these things. But like you said, so many things went wrong uh, last year. Not a lot of things. The only things that really went right was, I mean...
1: Real Muto. Real
0: Muto and Harper's August and September and Kingery's June. Like, that's it. And uh, Hector, Hector,
1: Hector Neris went a Yeah, advantage. Hector Narris. But
0: um yeah, Planteck is he's right. This this is a team that I think should be able to win 87 88 games. Uh y- there are so many things that, you know, like if Hoskins can just be 2018 Hoskins, if Nola could be closer to 2018 Nola, like each of these individual things Things would be massive plus I think another another big thing is uh, you look at where they were two weeks before like they won 81 games but I don't see it as like a, a season where they went 500 because they collapsed and I know it counts that they collapsed but like that was just like inexplicable and I don't think it was a, a fair measure of how they actual, actually played it. Does that make sense? Like, I think they were, I consider them like a 84-85 win team last year.
1: Yeah, I, I think that's fair. Like, I don't know, going into Washington and losing five games in four days, I, I don't know if that necessarily, like, I, I that hurt their record kind of more than how good they were, if that makes sense, I think.
0: Yeah, well, they also, like, they never went on a run at all last year that, they, they, you know, they'd have little spurts of, of, three or four game winning streaks, but they never had one of those, you know, two or three week stre- stretches where they were on fire. And um, I don't know. I, I think they're a team capable of that considering, you know, a lot of streaky players and uh, yeah, X, right. They should be competing for a wildcard spot in, well, all right. He said they could win the NL East. Maybe not. They could. I don't think they will. That's very, very yeah. He
1: chance. he he didn't guarantee it. He went on to say, "I recognize, as we all do, that the National League East is a very competitive division. It may be the most competitive division with four teams that are good and continuing to go for it. So it's going to be a challenge. But I do believe that this team has the talent to win the division. So you know, he didn't really guarantee a NL East championship, but he acknowledges that he thinks it with things going right, that this team could be a lot better and compete for a playoff spot, which I agree with. Another thing he said, um, you know, whatever else we may do the rest of this offseason, I think that was interesting. Um, You know, didn't close the door that everything would be done. And I just want to talk to you before we wrap this up. um, What what else do you think is likely to happen for this offseason?
0: likely to happen, I don't know, uh, if they go in the tax on a Batances trade, then I, or, sorry, trade, signing, then I I would be very confident that they're going to sign a starting pitcher. Uh, like you mentioned, maybe you're you. Because that would not, based on based on how they've acted to this point, it would not make sense for them to go over just for Batances. They'd have other plans. Um, I think a Bryant trade is uh more possible. I think there's a higher likelihood of that than a Donaldson signing. Um, but I think they're both very low. And
1: yeah, I I agree with you for the most part. Um uh I don't I don't know if a Donaldson signing is completely unlikely if they go into the tax because they have been linked to him a little bit. But as for likely, I think it's most likely that they just maybe sign one more bench piece and do a bunch of like like a major league bench piece and then do a bunch of these kind of minor league deals, hoping they can find a diamond in the rough somewhere. That's what's most likely in my opinion. But if they get Batansis, they jump the tax, then I think that they'll go after Chris Bryant in a trade. That's what I think.
0: Yeah. I, I agree. I mean, the, the stuff after the winter meetings I forget who reported it, maybe it was a, a Chicago guy, it's just that the the Cubs are pretty confident that they are going to trade Bryant this offseason. Uh, there are only like three landing spots that make a lot of sense, so um, the Phillies are one of them. I think it, it could definitely happen, but
1: Who knows? Know. Yeah, who really knows? Um, You have anything else you want to add before we close this? Anything else? No, I just want
0: to reiterate that the Phillies should have traded for Kluber. When when Kluber finishes top three in Cy Young voting again in, in twenty twenty and Phillies refuse to even go after him, it'll it'll be clear. That's all.
1: The one thing that I wanna add is that I am in on Vince Velazquez as a fifth starter, if they put him in tandem tandem with an opener and take him out before the third time around the order but uh, those are the only circumstances in which I'm in <laughs> I doubt that they would even do that because that would tax your bullpen a lot but if they were to put him in that very specific situation then I think Vince Velasquez could have a good year
0: remember August Ty
1: never Okay.
0: Vince Velasquez was good in 2016 and he's just yes. like, gotten worse maybe,
1: maybe Vinny makes a comeback this year Johnny yeah. is all in on a Vinny comeback. Uh, Johnny, Johnny's in. Johnny's in on every Phillies pitcher <laughs> making a comeback. I am I
0: am actually in on an Arietta comeback. Arietta's going to Jake Arietta has thrown 200 innings in 2020. So
1: I don't see him staying healthy all year.
0: Yeah, that probably won't happen. But I am I am in on Jake Arietta having his best career as a Philly, or best year as a as a Philly.
1: In, in, in 2020 um yeah that's not exactly a super high bar <laughs> though but that'll that'll do it all for right. this okay. that'll do it for this episode of the phillies nation podcast thank you guys for listening me and johnny we'll talk to you next week
0: you can listen to the phillies nation podcast with ty Daubert and johnny heller every wednesday on Philliesnation.com and all streaming services